Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Okay, we are going to look at the doctrine of sanctification as it particularly relates to the subject of personal evangelism, sharing the gospel with those who have not yet become followers of Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at. So I'm going to ask you to participate tonight in several different ways. First way is if you have your handout, and I'd love for everybody to get a handout. If you didn't get one and don't normally take notes, that's okay. I understand that. But on the back side, there, is a, a, some, there, there are some notes I want you to, to follow up on. I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down, if you're able, a family member who needs Jesus, a friend who needs Jesus, someone you work with, and I realize uh, I work at a church. So I hope none of our church staff need Jesus. So if you work at Samaritan's Purse, maybe somebody there needs Jesus. Maybe, maybe you don't know of anybody that does need Jesus. You don't have to put somebody in a work relationship who needs Jesus. But what I'd like you to do is put down at least three or four names. Okay? Could be multiple family members. Could be multiple acquaintances, people in fun or hobbies who need Jesus. I'm going to give you an assignment for these names that you've written down as we finish up. So... Give you just a couple of minutes. Think about it prayerfully. Write the names of those individuals down. So here's what I want you to do before we go any further tonight. I want you to take just a minute. And I've prayed already. Um, but I want you to take just a minute. And I want you to pray that God would open the spiritual eyes of those that you wrote down. Just take a moment and pray that prayer. God, open their eyes. Pray that over each one of them. Sometimes I wonder if our time wouldn't just be better spent, and that's all we do. Let's pray. There's a reason for that. Um, let me walk through some, some notes that I have jotted down in preparation for tonight's lesson. First thing I'm going to ask is this. How many of you, and you're gonna, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you, when you have felt impressed to share your faith or share the gospel, have felt an overwhelming sense of nervousness, uh, insecurity, not sure of what to say. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I'm going to give you permission to look around. Okay, this isn't a closed-eyes thing. That's pretty much all of us. All right? I've been trained in about uh, four or five different evangelism training methods. I've memorized scripture, I preach sermons every week, I share the gospel as often as I can on a regular basis, and let me tell you, I still get overwhelmingly nervous when I know I've been impressed to share the gospel. Whether that's with somebody I know and have an ongoing relationship with, or whether that is with somebody that I I, I just met. So it is okay to feel a level of insecurity, uncertainty, when you feel impressed to share the gospel. What's not okay is for us as Christians to think that for some reason we're not obligated to do just that. All right? Let me connect sharing the gospel to sanctification for just a moment. Sanctification, as we've been studying, is that doctrine that, that where we have been Declared holy by God, there's positional sanctification, we're holy through Christ. But then there's progressive or practical sanctification where you and I are obligated to participate in our process of growth. We talked last week about how God uses his word to do that in our lives. And if we wanted to make a connection, we'll deal with this in a little more detail next week. But really, the Holy Spirit's job is to take the word of God that we read and help us put in practice what the word of God teaches because God's word isn't just, as we learned last week, for our knowledge. It's not just to make us smarter, spiritually more intelligent. It is to make us more like Christ. In other words, it is to be applied. So part of applying God's word is obeying God's word. I'm not going to spend hardly any time tonight convincing you that it is our obligation to share the gospel. Matthew 28 does that. We're called to make disciples of all nations. First Peter 3 tells us that we're to set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. 
I'm not going to preach to you and try to convince you that we need to. I'm going to assume we're all on the same page. The Bible says you and I as Christians are to share the gospel. And so my framework tonight is going to be how do we do that? How do we do that as it connects to the doctrine of sanctification? So there are three primary truths about sanctification and sharing the gospel that, that I want us to grasp. That just kind of sets a foundation. First is this. When we share the gospel, we are participating in sanctification. We are. We're participating in a level of obedience. So a book that I've been reading, I think I referenced it last week, The Infinite Journey, written by Andrew Davis. He argues that one of the primary means by which God makes us holy is God's word. But another means by which God makes us holy is Christian experience. In other words, you can grow in some fascinating ways by teaching a class. Because you'll learn more as a teacher than you'll ever learn as a student. You'll grow as a Christian in fascinating ways by teaching five-year-olds the Bible. You'll grow in fascinating ways as a Christian by going on a mission trip. I know people, and I've been on mission trips, you couldn't pay me to do what I did on a mission trip that I did because Jesus gave me an opportunity to. I mean, some of you have experienced that very thing. And there's a level of growth that happens in those moments. But one of the areas where you and I need to get uncomfortable is in the area of sharing our faith. And when we obey Christ by doing what he's already told us to do, sharing the gospel, and experience a level of discomfort uh, in doing that, we're participating in sanctification. In fact, I'm not sure we really ever fully obey God and grow as disciples until we are participating regularly in the explicit command of God to make disciples by helping people know what Jesus, who Jesus is and come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And so when we share the gospel, we are participating in our own sanctification. Okay, So if you want to grow in holiness, one of the greatest ways that you can do that is to share the gospel with people who don't yet know Christ. Let me give you the second point. Sharing the gospel requires faith in God to save, the power of God's word, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So, sharing the gospel requires faith. Do you know who saves? Holy Spirit does. Thanks, Keith. Do you know who doesn't save? You and me. Your gospel presentation doesn't save people. My gospel preaching and presentation doesn't save people. God saves people. The means by which he opens their eyes is the communicated gospel. So when we share the gospel, we're believing in God to save. We're believing in the power of God's word, Romans 1.17. A good passage of scripture to memorize. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. We're believing that. If God says it, we're believing that, and we're believing in the Holy Spirit to convict and to redeem. John 16, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin and righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do what? To make alive. John chapter 3. And we've talked about all of these, these kind of concepts as we've worked through the doctrine of salvation. But applying that as Christians means that we believe that what the Bible says is true, and when we put that into practice, God's going to do a work. And he does do a work. Now, here's the third point about uh, sanctification and sharing the gospel. It's this. Faithfulness in sharing the gospel is obedience. I could have worded it this way. Success in sharing the gospel is sharing the gospel. Sometimes we mistake this idea that, okay, if, if I share the gospel and they don't come to Christ, I failed. No. No. Because it's not your job to save. It's God's work to save. So sharing the gospel is itself success, is itself faithfulness. Let me take a little pressure off of you. Sometimes we feel, okay, if I share the gospel and they don't come to know Jesus, what did I, how did I mess that up? You probably didn't mess anything up. How many of you heard the gospel at least two times before you came to know Jesus? Raise your hand. At least two times. Hold your hands up high. We're going to keep your hands up for a second. How many of you heard the gospel at least five times before you came to know Jesus? Everybody's hands, almost everybody's still up. How many of you heard the gospel 
more than 10 times before you came to know Jesus. Look around. Look around. Nearly every hand is up. Now, I know there are people who hear the gospel once and God saves. But on average, people hear the gospel at least seven times before they make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So what are we doing when we're sharing the gospel? We're sowing seeds. We might be the first person that ever told that person. We're watering seeds. We might be the person that is cultivating that seed. Sometimes we get the glorious privilege of reaping that fruit and, and, and seeing that person come to faith in Jesus. And we, to that we ought to say amen. But every person who had a part in the process, sowing or watering or reaping, is an equal participant in that person's conversion story. Okay? So don't have any pressure walking out of here that if you go out and you share the gospel with that friend or that neighbor or that person that, that you know needs Jesus and they don't come to know Jesus in that conversation, you, you didn't do anything wrong. God has to work to save. So let me take that pressure off the, off the, um, off the table. So let's get practical for a moment. How do we share the gospel? Because that's, that's part of the challenge, is it not? How do we, knowing what the Bible says that we're supposed to share the gospel, how do we take what we know and communicate that with other people in a way that's understandable so they could come to know Christ? So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you this. Obedient evangelism requires intentionality, or make this statement. It requires intentionality. So here's what I, here's what I mean by that. We don't ever do anything well by accident. Husbands, how many of you are good husbands by accident? I mean, some of us might be okay with intentionality, but we're definitely not any better than okay by accident. Requires intentionality. That is true in every single aspect of our lives, okay? You'll never do something well by accident. It requires intentionality. It requires intentionality in prayer, it requires intentionality in looking for opportunities. It requires intentionality in conversations. It requires intentionality in relationships. So here's one reason why we as Christians are not good at sharing our faith. We're not intentional about it. We've got a command. It's expected of us. We know God wants us to do that. But if we don't have any intentionality in our prayer life, in our planning, in our conversations, in our relationships, we're never going to be any good at sharing our faith, at least in the sense of where we have a measure of confidence. So how do we get better at that? How do we build some intentionality? So here's what I want you to remember. The three T's. Text, testimony, and tools. I alliterated that for uh, your benefit and for mine. The text, testimony, and tools. Memorize the texts of Scripture that communicate the gospel. So this is homework. I, I realize we ask you as a church... To, to memorize one scripture a month. And our scripture this month is going to be Hebrews 12, uh, 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, I picked a verse to memorize that I already knew. I get the privilege of doing that because I pick verses. I try to pick them within the context of what we're preaching and teaching. But here's why I say the text of Scripture. The single best way for you and I to communicate the gospel is what God has already said about the gospel. It's the best way. There are other ways. There are means. There are tools. We'll talk about the, some of those. But the best way is to know what the Scripture says. So let me give you several verses of Scripture to write down that I would encourage you to memorize. Some of you may have already memorized some of these. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That just reminds everybody that they're a sinner. How about Romans 5.8? But God commends his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5.8. We're still in Romans. Romans 6.23. And you don't have to write down all the verses. I just want you to write down the, the, where it's found. So if you are impressed tonight, you'll go home and begin memorizing these. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All have sinned, death's payment is, or death's wage, is death. So that shares with, the, with folks the need. 
Why are you telling people about Jesus? Because we're sinners and we die in our sin. Our wage is death. That's Romans 6.23. How do we receive forgiveness in life? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Romans 10, 13. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are other scripture verses that you could memorize that would assist in sharing the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It deals with salvation or an invitation to salvation from the picture of, of Jesus being a substitute. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority, 19 and 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. It's a great commission, commission passage. 1 Peter 2, 24 is one that reminds us of Jesus' substitutionary work. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Those are just a few of the verses that I would encourage you, if you're serious about, okay, if you walk out of here tonight and say, Pastor, you've convinced me. I'm going to share the gospel. Okay? I, I'm willing to grow in my faith. I want to deepen my understanding of God. I want to share the gospel. Here's where I would tell you to start. Memorize those verses of scripture. There, there's no better way for you to share the gospel than memorizing those verses of scripture. Now, if you want, now, now I would say this to you. If you want a cheat, and I don't mean a cheat in the bad sense of it, get you a pocket Bible and just mark those passages of scripture and stick that Bible in your pocket. That's going to do two, several things. One, give you easy access to those scriptures. They're all in, many of them are in Romans. They're, it's called the Romans Road. Many of them are in Romans. If you keep that pocket Bible in your pocket with you, you're carrying with you a reminder that you need to share the gospel as well as a little marker that takes you exactly where you need to go. And then you can even take a ton of pressure off yourself if you're sharing the gospel with someone who can read. You can hand them the Bible and say, hey, how about reading this verse here and see what God says about it. You're doing several things in that kind of method of sharing the gospel. Number one, you're giving them the Bible, which is saying that it is God saying this about us. Number two, you're having them read it, and there's power in the Word of God. And they're hearing it from their own lips twice. They're hearing it with their ears, and they're hearing it with their heart. So, intentionality. Remember the text. Another thing that you can remember in terms of sharing the gospel using the text of Scripture is the story of the gospel. You know, practice telling the story of the gospel. Jesus dying on the cross. Go back and reread the gospel accounts, especially the passion narratives. And just get that settled in your mind so that you can talk to people about why Jesus died on the cross, why he rose from the dead, and tell that story. People remember stories, and that leads us to the next T. Write down and share your own testimony. Share what Christ did to bring you to salvation. So, um, I'm not going to apologize for this, folks. I'm going to give you a lot of homework tonight. Now, I, I know not everybody's going to go home and do this, but I'm going to give you. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Uh, this is my opportunity to teach you how to share your faith, but that can't happen in a lecture. All right, you're not going to walk out of here. Uh, confidently settled on how you're going to share your faith unless you put some effort into it and practice into it. It's not possible. So, write down your own testimony. Write down how you came to faith in Jesus. And why should you write it down? You should write it down because it will clarify for you the moments that came to, that you came to, that brought you to conversion. It will clarify for you what you were thinking. It'll clarify for you what you were feeling. You could probably, every one of you, tell me your conversion story. In fact, a lot of you have told me your conversion story as you came to be members of Wilkesboro Baptist Church. We had those conversations. So you say, okay, I write it down. Let me tell you something else you should do. If, you're, if, you're, if you have a family, all right, what I want you to do, and I'm going to take a ton of pressure off of you here, what I want you to do is within the next week, I want you to sit down and relate your story of coming to know Jesus with your spouse or with your children or with your grandchildren. 
say, hey, listen, the pastor asked me to work on my testimony, and I'd just like to take a few minutes and tell you how I came to know Jesus. There's two reasons I want you to do that. The first reason is the evangelistic reason. It is you reminding yourself of what happened when you came to know Jesus. And that is a tremendous way that every single one of us can walk out of here and be ready to share our faith in a moment. Because really all you're doing is sharing what Jesus did to rescue you. Can I get an amen? But here's the second reason for that. Because I talk to people over and over again at the death of a loved one. A parent, a a, a grandparent, uh, a spouse. And I ask the question, do you know when so-and-so came to know Jesus? And more often than I would like, I hear something like this. Well, I know they came to faith in Jesus. But, but I don't know their story. Folks, we ought to know the conversion story of those living in our household. We just ought to. For encouragement, for motivation, at the very bare minimum for their funeral. We ought to know it in that moment. And so, I'm just going to take a ton of pressure off of you, or try to. At some point this week, go home, and maybe you've done this before. We'll do it again. You know, maybe you've got unsaved grandchildren or unsaved children that are in your home. Say, hey, listen, for our devotions tonight, I just wanted to tell you what God did when he saved me. Tell you how I felt. Tell you what was going on in my heart and life. Tell you what God did to redeem me. So it's practicing your testimony. So write it down and share it with somebody. Okay? So you'll note that we're 25 minutes into this talk tonight, 20 minutes in. And I haven't told you yet how to talk to somebody who's not a believer. Am I wrong? I'm telling you to do things that every single one of us as a Christian can do. Because that's the practical step for how to share our faith. Let me tell you the third thing. Remember a tool. Learn an evangelism tool. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of help here. We have a, a life circle guide. Can I, Edward, do you mind helping? And Steve, uh, if you wouldn't mind, make sure everybody gets one of these. I didn't want you to to cheat and be looking at him while I was talking until it was time for that to happen. And I'm not going to walk through this whole, uh, this whole uh, um, tract is what it is, but every single one of you is going to have one of these. All right? All a tool is is a clear way to explain the gospel. That's all a tool is. A tract is that. This Three Circles Conversation Guide is that. Evangelism Explosion, which is a tra- evangelism me- mechanism, is that. Faith is that. Um, the, the Jesus Conversation Method is that. The Four Spiritual Laws. All they are is a tool. Okay? They are a tool that communicates the gospel with clarity. So here's what I would ask you to do by a third way of doing homework. Just read this. Read through it. The, the, the means of sharing the gospel using the three circles is you draw three circles. The first circle is God's design. God designed us to be in relationship with him and be holy. We mess that up because we're sinful and we're broken. And Jesus came to redeem us and rescue us and bring us back in a right relationship with God. It's a very simple, logical explanation of the gospel. And here's the neat thing about a tool. A tool, especially something that's in your hand, like a tract, you really can't mess anything up. All you're doing is walking through the gospel page by page. So read through it, take it with you, and maybe you've got a child or a grandchild or a neighbor that you're going to want to walk through this with. Now, I, I could go on and I could give you other training tools and we could spend a lot of time going through an entire uh, evangelism training mechanism. I did that when I first got here and uh, we could do that and maybe we will in the future in, in kind of a training session. But in this room, the, the way our teaching time is set up, it's not the ideal format for that. Probably needs to be quite a few no, uh, people less to be able to do that very effectively because there's practice there's memorization involved. Those are helpful, but even as helpful as they are, and I've been through about a half a dozen of them, they are helpful. 
Do you know how often I use that tool exactly the way I learned it? Never. The tool has been helpful to shape the types of questions I ask, but I'm going to give you some questions to ask. So remember the three T's. Learn an evangelism tool, write down your own testimony, and then memorize text of Scripture. So here's the challenge, right? This is the big one. Everybody knows we're supposed to share the gospel. All of you that I'm aware of in this room are pretty good conversationalists. Now, some of you are more introverted, right? And, and so it's harder to break into a conversation. I get that. And I've talked with some of you. But I've talked with, I think, every person in this room at least once. And some of you I've had ongoing conversations with. And some of you talk more than me. I was hoping somebody would laugh. If you can ask a question, you can transition to the gospel from any conversation. Okay? So let me give you some, some tips for how to do that. How do we transition? Because all of you can talk about your grandchildren if you're a grandparent. All of you can talk about your children if you're a parent. Every single one of us can talk about the weather. We can talk about sports. We can talk about politics. We can talk about what interests us. All of us can. In fact, some of you who are introverted, if I found what you were interested in, I could listen for hours as you talked. Some of you are like that. You just, when we find the interest level, we can listen. So here's how we transition to the gospel. Ask questions. Ask questions. Let me give you a food for thought. Be interested, not interesting. Here's what I, what I mean by that. It is less important how well you have memorized an evangelism training tool and given a presentation of the gospel. That's far less important than the fact that that person you're talking with knows you care about them. I've had conversations with some very hard cases of people who have not come to know Jesus yet. And you know why they'll still sit down and talk with me? Because I genuinely care about them. And they actually know that. The quality of my presentation isn't the reason they're not believers. And isn't what will make them a believer. There are elements uh, that we need to know what we're talking about. I'm not denying that. But the point is, if someone knows you care about them, if you're interested in them, if you ask questions, guess what? There's going to be an opportunity for you to turn the conversation towards something that is serious and meaningful. So ask questions. Let me give you a second, second uh, kind of transition. Ask probing questions. And I'm not talking about being like the FBI and being really nosy. I mean, ask meaningful questions. So what do you value in life? What do you like to do? And if you, if you had a chance to take a vacation, what, where would it go? If it, where would you go on a vacation? Do you have children or grandchildren? Would you like to tell me about them? There are all sort of questions that are deeper than just every day. How you doing? What do you think of the weather? Questions. And those kind of meaningful questions, if we keep asking them long enough with a person, then guess what we're going to find? We're going to find a connection to something that we can transition it to something even more meaningful than that. By the way, this is something every single one of us can practice anyway. If you want to be a good relationship person, husband, wife, daughter, child, son, grandson, grandchild, friend, ask questions. One of the best things you can get in the habit of doing as just a human who likes other people is ask questions. So it's a great way to move toward the gospel. So how do we transition from meaningful questions to gospel questions? Well, you could read how Jesus did that. In John 4, he used everyday illustrations to bring it back to the gospel. Let me give you some questions that wouldn't hurt for you to memorize that are good kind of connection questions. How about this one? Do you go to church anywhere? Now, if they say, yeah, I go to church, that's not an automatic, they're a Christian. 
Several of the people, actually a lot of the people I've led to Jesus in the last four or five years have been people that go to church semi-regularly. But they didn't really know Jesus. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than going to Bojangles makes you a piece of chicken. Okay, so don't assume that because they go to church, they're a Christian. But if they go to church, follow up with this question. This is an EE question. They're called diagnostic questions. Do you know for sure that if you die, you go to heaven? That's especially an important question the older someone is. And I don't mean that as, a, as, a, as some kind of knock against age. I mean that the older people are, the more they're thinking about what's next. As opposed to that question to a 15-year-old, they're hardly thinking about the next moment, much less next week, much less eternity. So I don't use that question as much with younger adults or teenagers, but I do use that question with adults. And the follow-up question, and I've given these to you, by the way. They're right here. Uh, do you know for sure that if you go to heaven, you would go to heaven if you die? The follow-up in EE is the next question. Suppose you were to die today and stand before God, and he would ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? That's an incredible diagnostic question because it gets at the heart of why someone thinks they're going to heaven. They say, yeah, I think I'm going to heaven. Or what I hear all too often, I hope I'll go there. Well, I hope you will too. But the Bible says, 1 John 5, 13, these things I've written to you that you may know that you know Jesus and that you're going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. But not because I've done anything, because Jesus did it all. But I know that. that. That's solid and settled in my own heart and life. And as Christians, it should be solid and settled. So if someone says, I hope I'm getting there. Then I asked the follow-up, well, if you were to die and stand before God, and he would ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? They may say, well, I've been a pretty good person. I, I, I'm a nice guy. I try to do things the right way. I went to church when I was a kid. All kind of answers. And to that, then you would follow up with something just as simple as this. Well, those are really good answers. I, pre- I appreciate what you're saying there. We need more nice people and good people in the world. But would you mind if I showed you what the Bible said about how we get to go to heaven? And that's where we go to Scripture, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. Those texts of Scripture that you've got in your pocket Bible that's sitting there in your purse or in your pocket that you can just flip out and tell them or that you've memorized and just simply move to sharing with that person what the Bible says about going to heaven. You don't remember all that? Then all you got to do is share your testimony. Can I share with you how I came to know that I was going to go to heaven? I came to know I was going to go to heaven when, and then you just tell your testimony. Does that make sense? That's not too hard, is it? Ask questions. Let me give you another question that you can ask. This is a question from uh, the updated version of Evangelism Explosion. It's down there at the bottom. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your fulfillment in life? Uh, By the way, uh, 1 to 10 questions are really good questions. They're even helpful for you husbands to figure out where your wife wants to go to dinner. On a scale of 1 to 10, you know, how do you feel about Olive Garden tonight? Uh, And if they say 7, you're going. And if they say less than 7, you put another another restaurant in there. The only reason I say that is, well, you you know, I'm going to get in trouble if I keep going. The point is, the scale of 1 to 10 question gets at what, what are people living for? John 10.10 is another verse you might want to memorize. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus says, says, that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. And so, what are you relying on for fulfillment in life? And what would it take to go from a 6, if you're living at a 6, to a 10? What would it take? And then you could follow that up with a question, well, what would happen if you added Jesus to your life? Would, Would he help your life? get bigger, get better rather, or, or would he make your life worse? And the reason you don't assume that and follow up that question is maybe they had a bad experience with church, maybe someone had a bad experience with some kind of person of faith, and, and those are things you want to know if you're talking to someone about, about Jesus. But what you're doing, you're continuing a conversation, okay? The next point there is connect questions and conversation to Scripture, you just remind you of this? I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. The gospel is the power of God in the salvation. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God works through the power of his word. It is amazing to me that he does. And I don't mean that as, as, as if it's unbelievable. I've watched him do that. But he does work through the power of his word. He does so over and over and over again. We've got a, a little guy that's going to be baptized this upcoming Sunday. And he's been having conversations with Danielle for about a year. He's been having conversations with his mom and dad. He's been talking to them about Jesus. Why did he come to faith in Jesus? Because of the power of God's word. I think they were at the Brushy Mountain Smokehouse when it finally clicked with him. Why the smokehouse? I don't know. You could get saved in a lot worse places than the Brushy Mountain Smokehouse. Um, but he prayed to receive Jesus. He wanted to be baptized that next Sunday. He, in fact, he was kind of mad that he couldn't be baptized last Sunday. Because, uh, I mean, we can turn around pretty quick, but we have to fill the baptistry up and warm it up and all that kind of stuff. So we're baptizing this week, this upcoming Sunday. What saved him? Not his mom and dad. Not conversations with Danielle. The power of the gospel. God works through the power of his word. So connect questions and conversation to scripture. Okay? Let me give you some takeaways. I don't think we have them on the on the screen up up the stairs, so we'll just close that. Uh, let me give you four takeaways. Theological takeaway: because it is God who saves by the power of the gospel, we only need to be messengers. Sorry, we got our apple. Is that going to distract anybody? Y'all handle the... Okay, good. It would distract me. So if it's not distracting you, you're better than me. I could just walk to the back and turn and look at me there. I'm sorry. Because it is God who saves by the power of the gospel, we only need to be messengers. So that goes back to successful evangelism is evangelism. All that, all that needs to happen in your life and my life is for us to be messengers. That's what we are. We're one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. It's all we are. It's all we are. We're trying to introduce people to Jesus. You say, man, pastor, you're making it sound so easy and simple. It is. That doesn't mean it's not fearful and frightening. Satan doesn't want us to pray. That's why he distracts you when it's your time to pray. And Satan doesn't want us to share the gospel. Because the, two, the things he can't control at all in our world are the power of God through prayer and the power of God through his gospel. Satan can't do anything about those. He's not powerful enough to do anything about those. What he can do in our lives is keep us from praying. So that means we're not acting and living by faith. We're not accessing the power of God as we've been invited to. And, and guess what? If you share the gospel and if I share the gospel, lost people are going to become found people. That's what God does. So what does Satan do? He tries to make us feel like it's going to go a whole lot worse than it really ever goes. I've shared the gospel for 20-some years of my, of my life. Wish had a way, I wish that would have happened like two seconds later, two minutes later, because it's one of the next points. So, where was I? Somebody remind me. I've been sharing the gospel for 20-some years. I have only been responded to rudely once. Knocked on somebody's door, trying to tell them about Jesus. They shut the door in my face. They said, we're not interested. One time. In hundreds of gospel conversations. Now, I've been rejected a lot, but only been treated rudely once. And here's why I think that is. Because if the person you're talking to knows you and knows that you care about them, and I realize we should share the gospel with people we've met once and people we've met, known for years. But if somebody knows you care about them, then the kindest thing we can ever do is tell them about Jesus. I was reading a, a book this week about uh, kind of preparing for ministry. 
And, and one of the authors, he, he describes in there the, the, the requirement for, for Christians to be evangelists. And he said he, he, he had this guy that he was friends with. They were interacted with each other for more than a year. Worked together, I believe. And, uh, and this guy finally came in one day and was telling his friend that, that he had come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And, and he looked at him and said, aren't you a Christian? And, and the, the pastor, the author of the book, said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, and the guy said, why didn't you ever tell me about Jesus? year and a half, you've known me. Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? And, and the guy said all the excuses that he had made up in his mind for that year and a half for not sharing the gospel sounded really meaningless and pitiful in that moment. Because they do. All we are is messengers. But here's the point. You will never regret sharing the gospel. But I promise you, you will regret not sharing the gospel. There have been times I've been impressed and known I needed to share the gospel and didn't. I walked away knowing I was disobedient. I have never walked away and shared the gospel and felt bad about it. In fact, I've always felt empowered. That's not unironic, by the way. Acts 1.8 says that when we go forth to share the gospel, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do just that. So remember, we're just messengers. Here's the worship takeaway. Our mission of leading our neighbors and the nations uh, to Jesus begins with worship because that is the ultimate purpose of following Jesus. Our, our goal is worshiping God. It's our goal. That's, that's the whole point. God wants people to know that he is the greatest thing being ever in the... In, in, there's no one better than God. Nothing better than God. By the way, this is the best way for you to become an evangelist. Become a worshiper. Fall in love with Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. You love God, you will share the gospel. Because you'll share the gospel out of love for God. And the closer you get to Jesus, you'll share the gospel. Do you know why? Because you want people to meet the one that met you. You want people to meet the one that changed you, that redeemed you, that saved you, that rescued you. It's a beautiful picture of exactly what God desires for our lives. Now, I'm not going to take you off the hook. You can invite people to church to hear the gospel. You can, and we should. But we're not a come and see faith. Okay? We're go and tell faith. There are people you will interact with this week, this month, this year, that will never come to this church. And never hear me preach a sermon. But they will listen to you have a conversation. They absolutely will. So here's the third takeaway, the evangelistic takeaway. So here's when I, this is the, the homework. Be intentional, practice, and share. What do I mean by that? Be intentional. The people that are on your prayer list, okay, you wrote their names down. I want you to pray for them once a day for the next seven days. Be intentional praying for them, okay? And then I'm going to ask you to do a hard thing. Make an appointment to talk with them. Like, Man, that sounds really hard. Actually, it's not. It's not really hard. How many of you go to coffee? I do. I go to coffee. Anybody meet other people for coffee? Well, hold on a second. I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> Y'all don't meet other people for coffee? Nobody does? Tea? Lunch? Breakfast? You eat, right? Okay. I'm not in the wrong church. Had a moment there. Ice cream? Miss Pat? Whatever it is. Because guess what we do? When we eat, when we drink coffee, when we eat ice cream, we're conversing. Invite a person to lunch, to breakfast, to dinner, coffee, ice cream, and say, hey, listen, I've just been praying for you. Can, can we talk about where you are in your faith? Now, they may say, absolutely not. But most of the time, people don't turn down a free meal or a free coffee or a free ice cream. So guess what? If they say yes to joining you in that moment, then you've got an open door to practice what we've been talking about tonight. Does that make sense? Be intentional. Practice what are you to practice? Well, practice the scriptures you're memorizing. Practice your own personal testimony. 
And then the best way, the absolute best way to learn how to do evangelism is to simply share the gospel. You say, Pastor, that scares me to death. Well, just remember this. You're not sharing information as much as you are sharing a person. If you can talk about your children and grandchildren, if you can talk about your parents to somebody else, you can talk about Jesus to somebody else. It's really no different. In fact, it's gloriously better on a whole great many scales. So I'm just going to ask you very simply, be intentional. That means in prayer, setting appointments, and sharing. Now, this is work. I, I, I don't think you're surprised by that. I, I don't generally give you homework on Wednesday nights, but I've given you several aspects of homework. Here's why. In Second uh, uh, Peter 4, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, do the work of an evangelist. Why is it work? Well, because it takes people more than one time hearing the gospel generally before they come to know Jesus. And not all of those people that need to hear the gospel over and over again are actually going to come to church and sit under the preaching of the gospel regularly. In fact, the several conversations I have on a regular basis with friends that need Jesus, they are not going to come to church before they come to know Jesus. There's not. One fella I've seen at church one time and it was at a funeral. He heard the gospel at the funeral. I was preaching to him, but he's not coming to church. He's not going to come here to hear the gospel. I'm going to have to go meet him. It is work. But is there a better work? Just think about it for just a second. If we believe what we say we believe, that people who don't know Jesus are going to spend forever separated from God. It is worth us getting out of our comfort zone to tell people how they can go to heaven rather than spend eternity separated from God in hell. Just is. And if people going to heaven is the result of sharing the gospel, the ultimate desire, our longing for that, it's worth our work. It's worth my time and effort. It's worth two-hour conversations. It's worth multiple cups of coffee. It's worth lunches and dinners. It's worth time in prayer. It's worth it. Because for that person that came to know Jesus, they're not going to spend eternity separated from God. Here's the last, the last takeaway, the relational takeaway. Make sharing the gospel relational. Invite someone to join you as you share. Take a spouse along if you're going to lunch or dinner. Hey, I'll give, you this, I'll give you this opportunity. If you're going to share the gospel with somebody, and you're not sure how, okay? You're not sure. You know they need Jesus. You're not sure how. I'll go with you. One of our elders will go with you. Other staff will go with you. I can look around the room and point out several people who I know share the gospel on a regular basis. And here's what you can tell them. Hey, can we go to coffee? I'd like to talk to you about your faith. And if you'll just start the conversation with questions, I'll be happy to step in and share the gospel uh, in, in that conversation. I'd be, I'd be honored to do that. There are a lot of things I get to do that I love to do as a pastor at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. One of my favorites is sharing the gospel. And, and, and one of my glorious favorites is seeing someone come to know Jesus. I'd be happy to do that. It, that would do, serve twofold purpose. Not only be another opportunity for me to share the gospel, which I enjoy doing, but it might be an opportunity for you to learn a little bit how. In other words, if you're able, take somebody along with you. Now, I realize some conversations are not going to lend itself to that. Some people are meeting with you for a reason because you've invested relationally, not me and not somebody else. But take somebody with you if you can. Let somebody else hear. Mom and dad, if you're talking to your children about Jesus, try to have the other spouse in the room. Make it a family event. Make it relational. It's tremendously encouraging. Let me, I told you Mitch's story uh, a couple weeks ago on Easter Sunday. But the, the cool thing about him coming to know Jesus 
is how much of a corporate church event it was. From Sunday school teachers talking to him about questions, to me talking with him about questions for two hours, to him being in church services, to Tam Hutchinson, one of our deacons, explaining to him how he didn't have to be perfect. It was a whole church event in his life. And he came to me Sunday and he said this. He said, "Uh, Pastor, I know you told me that I wouldn't have all the answers to all the questions I had. But what you didn't tell me was that I would have even more questions. Well, yeah. We're always learning and growing. We're always going to have more questions. Our obligation is to share the gospel. So let me remind you of your homework. Write out your testimony. Tell it to your spouse or your family. Okay? That might be evangelistic in and of itself. You might have children or grandchildren that need to know Jesus. And, and that conversation could spur further conversations about salvation and eternal life. There's not a greater privilege than leading your child to know Jesus. Or your grandchild to know Jesus. That is a wonderful thing. So write out your testimony. Memorize those scripture verses. Or at least begin to do that. Pray for those names on your list. Once a day for the next seven days. And next week, I'm not going to ask you to hold your hands up. But I am going to ask you, have you set an appointment with one of those people on your list? I'm going to ask you that. I'm probably going to ask you that every Wednesday night from now to the end of this, this, this semester. Just by way of reminder. And guess what? You can ask me the same question. I've got a conversation. I've got a continued conversation. I've got a set. And if I don't do it, if I don't make it, Time for it, I won't, I won't do it because I've got plenty to do just like you do as well. So you got your homework. You got your assignment. Last thing. God saves, not us. All we got to do is share. All we got to do is share. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. 